All right, I'm going to do a surprise one on Heidi. She doesn't know what I prepared for real quick. I haven't the slightest idea what we're getting ready to do. I haven't felt well all day today, but then like... You haven't felt well for a few days. Yeah, it's been kind of sucky, but I all of a sudden was sitting down here and I was like, you know what? I feel like doing this because I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw something that made me mad. So I was like, you know what? I've been promising people I was going to do an End Times um, Kingdom podcast. So I and I've already done uh, one of these before, but I'm gonna go ahead and actually, with our good friends over at Got Questions, because we use the heck out of them. I love they're them. awesome. Um, they contacted us and they were delighted that we always throw them out. So that's really cool. That um, oh, and our homeschool plans, it's like all Got Questions. <laughs> we're going through all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna. Um, read through a couple write-ups they do they're really short and uh, talk about them a little bit but so if you have your bible you probably want to probably want to grab it probably want to grab it because i will just be reading uh, i won't be reading every single verse but i will be reading the scriptures that they um uh present here this is a very, very touchy subject with many people. Many people don't want to talk about it. Many people don't want to preach on it. Many people don't want to teach. They don't want to do anything with it. They really do. They just rather just toss it off and just not care about it. And that's, it's not something that we have the luxury of doing because your eschatology, which is the study of the end times, that matters. Um, it, it, you know, your viewpoint on that, no matter what viewpoint you, you take out of scripture, um, it matters on how you live your Christian life either way. But I feel like the argument is always that it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. You can, you know, if you believe that and I believe well, that's this, the first like it's thing. no big deal. Yeah, like the first thing. we yeah. are constantly disregarding. But see, there's topic. a problem with the... There's there's the two viewpoints, basically, the way that I see it. One keeps you here in the world a lot longer before you see Christ. Yeah. And then the other one, Christ could come at any moment. I mean, that's the basic. Yeah, I mean. The the easiest way to explain both of the two views. Bare knuckles description of Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's very, very, you yeah. know, dubbed down, watered down. Uh, horrible <laughs> but no but that's workable. what it is yeah i mean if you strip it down that is exactly what it is so i mean one keeps you here for a really long time tells you not to worry about it tells you that we will uh bring all of these things together and eventually to christ and then he will return then the other is you know we're we're going from bad to worse here and this world is passing away quickly and Christ's return is imminent, meaning any minute. So, I mean, those are the two two views like that. The only problem is, is if you take the view that it, okay, I, I don't think that we're going to make this world a, a essentially a Christian world and then Christ will return. I don't buy into that. So, I, yeah, okay, I believe in the rapture. And I believe that, you know, the coming tribulation and that type of thing. Uh, but I'm not really worried about it. 
It's like, well, having that type of view does not give you the luxury of not paying attention to it. Because having that view is very dependent on a bunch of different, uh, bunch of different realities. The main one that we hold, which is premillennialism and a pre-tribulational rapture, those all center around the fact the 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 closest in time sign that we could have is the existence and the regathering of the nation of Israel that in, in essence in 1948 something happened in 1948 that hadn't happened since 70 AD when the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem and a lot of the Jews at that time not all of them there's there's a few but for the most part I mean for the 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 explanation of that yes the jews were dispersed out into the nations and essentially kicked out of the land again um and when they voted in 1948 as a state that created the first time that it was ever recognized since 70 a.d that there was Jews back in the the land, and it was recognized as Israel, and that's huge. Not only is that prophetic, and that was prophesied that that would happen, and we'll share verses later, but obviously that was something that really did happen, and that wasn't that long ago, and for our view of the end times here. There needed to be a literal Israel that existed. And now that the literal Israel exists, not saying that this is where the black eye comes from with with our point of view in the in the premillennialism camp. A lot of people think that every little movement the United States does with Israel is somehow forwarding bible prophecy and that we have to support blindly support israel and every single thing that they do and you know and that's couldn't be further from the truth and yes we get up we get caught up in a lot of this um legalism and a lot of this um you know political nonsense about it and that's not you know and we defend israel's every single move as if they do everything perfectly and that's not the case at all. <laughs> I mean, at all. The only thing that's interesting about it is the fact that there's land over there that used to be Israel that now is Israel again. That's the only thing that's interesting and noteworthy about it. Whether What the, the people are actually doing over there, I mean, in all, it's a godless nation completely. Leading in homosexuality, yeah. leading I mean, in... Yeah, no, no, really. In Tel Aviv, it is the largest gay city in the world well and they in the gay community like in the last year they just finally outlawed prostitution and things like that like those things have been rampant that's crazy and i mean yeah tel aviv with that and then like i said they just they're they're largely an agnostic they do not believe they do not have a god nation 
yeah, because even their own people talk about how unreligious un-religious they, they are. are. Yeah. yeah. And it's getting worse. I mean, oh, as, yeah, as the nation increasing. is getting younger, it is, uh, it, it's getting a lot worse. So there's definitely no celebration in any of the things that they have done. I mean, their their sins are equally as bad as ours. But the fact, like I said, the fact that there's land over there that's considered Israel that that wasn't um, for a very very long time, and this is something that was was prophesied that was going to happen that they were going to return to the land in a state of unbelief, not because of anything that they had done, but to sh- for God to show you. A nation His born glory. in a night. Who exactly? Can this? Exactly is to show you who the Lord is, and so <clears throat> that was you know that was nothing of their own doing. That was the Lord, and that's what the point of this is. Is the point that you know? I mean, that was our hugest sign in our camp that we have of these times, and the fact that right now a lot of our news media is covering this. A lot of a lot of these things, major things are happening over there. Um, this is very, very important. And if you hold this viewpoint, now's the time that you really should start paying attention. Uh, and I, I believe this viewpoint is truth. I don't see any way around it. Um, present a couple different viewpoints um, later with kind of explaining what... Um, what preterism i always talk about preterism so i don't think i've actually defined it so they go with your big words well that's what i'm saying is is got questions did a great job of explaining uh preterism simply and that's what i that's why i go to got questions a lot uh especially to talk on their articles because they have such a good way of putting very very complex theological topic topics simply and you could understand it. It's so awesome. It's it so really awesome. Is. So and and I read this and I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I would love to. Exp-. So they, they, you know, I feel like they write what I would say if I knew how to to uh, kind of. Put, I'm not pull kidding. This down. You have been explaining things before, and then I've like been like, no, I just read that, and you're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you literally just said exactly what I yeah. read. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. With. Yeah, that does happen very often. But let's see here. So actually the first one that I'm going to go through real quick is what is the kingdom of God? And like I said, I've done this podcast before. So if you've heard this, just fast forward until the next article. Um, But I'm going to go over it again just so everybody can have the scripture for some scripture for it. And again, we'll link these articles on everything. But what is the kingdom of God? The concept of the kingdom of God takes on various shades of meaning in different passages of scripture. Now you got to wait for me to scroll down. All right. Broadly speaking, the kingdom of God is the rule of an eternal sovereign God over all the universe. Several passages of scripture show that God is an undeni- is the undeniable monarch of all creation. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. That's Psalm 103.19. And as King Nebuchadnezzar declared, his kingdom is an eternal kingdom. It's Daniel 4.3. Every authority that exists has been established by God. Romans 13.1. 
So in one sense, the kingdom of God incorporates everything that is. So that's pretty clear, right? So like, in a sense, the kingdom of God is everything. Literally, yeah. Literally everything that we can see, everything that, just everything that is. Okay. More narrowly, the kingdom of God is a spiritual rule over the hearts and lives of those willing to submit to God's authority. Those who defy God's authority and refuse to submit to him are not part of the kingdom of God. In contrast, those who acknowledge the lordship of Christ and gladly surrender to God's rule in their hearts are part of the kingdom of God. In this sense, the kingdom of God is spiritual. Jesus said his kingdom was not of this world, John 18, 36. And he preached that repentance is necessary to be part of the kingdom of God. That's in Matthew 4, 17. That the kingdom of God can be equated with this fear of salvation that is evident in John 3, 5 through 7. When Jesus says the kingdom of God must be entered into by being born again. See also 1 Corinthians 6, 9. All right, and here is the interesting part when we talk about the kingdom. This is when we start getting into the interesting talk. And this one is going to lead me into to the next article. But there is another sense in which the kingdom of God is used in Scripture. The literal rule of Christ on the earth during the millennium. Daniel said that the God of heaven will set up his kingdom that will never be destroyed. That's Daniel 2.44 and 7.13 and 14. Um... So, yeah, what the, the key phrase right there is that literal rule of Christ on the earth during the millennium. A lot of this might sound nuts to a lot of people. You might have not might have not heard anybody preach on this. This is one of those things that um, the people, a lot of people just completely misunderstand the kingdom. So they just kind of, okay, yeah, okay, I believe in it. But, yeah, I don't really get it, so I'm just going to kind of let it go. And What's well, left just to be that, like, fantasy thing that happens at the end of time, but that's, like, millions and millions and right. millions of years down the road, and, like, it doesn't really matter. I knew when I learned this, I was kind of like, oh, wow, I wasn't taught that. I didn't know this. I didn't know all of it. And again, we grew up in Christian homes, Christian churches every week, Christian right. schooling. You had a private schooling nearly your entire thing, minus a Yeah, and I was like, so wait a minute. You would think you're telling have me a better understanding. that Christ is literally going to come back to this earth, this one, from heaven, step foot on it. It's going to change the whole face of the earth. Creation will be completely changed yet it's still going to be this earth as i know it yes yeah <laughs> exactly says. and that makes going into this going into this and, and you're telling me this millennium so this is going to be a thousand years on this earth before armageddon and all that happens that was like one of those things that I was just like, what? What? 
I didn't get it. Just because it wasn't taught. I had always heard of the, you know, you always heard the rapture. You always hear all of that. Well, like Armageddon, yeah, final you, battle. Like, but you, you get never, that. you never hear about this, this kingdom stuff, right? Because it's always like, okay, so after the rapture, we go up to heaven and then it's, it's heaven stuff. And then, you know, or. It, that's it. Yeah, or that's it, or like you know, whatever, or when you die, you know, it's just heaven stuff, and we'll just be up there somewhere. It's like, well, floating in the clouds because we don't gonna, understand heaven either. You're gonna be, you're gonna be really surprised when you ride back on a horse back to this earth. It's like, gonna wait be a changed. second, what are we doing now? <laughs> like, wait, this is, this looks familiar. All right, but. Yeah, so if that if that sounds nuts to you, it's it's not. It's completely it's completely scriptural, and there's a huge attack against this viewpoint right now. I did a um, apologia has attacked it lately. Um, most of the podcasts that you hear now attack this viewpoint. This is why it's so hard for me to recommend any good teachers or preachers or anything because honestly, 90% of the teachers out there are teaching against this viewpoint and just completely switching it, you know, and just um, dusting it under the rug as if it's some brand new teaching that just came up within the first couple hundred years. That's the first defense you'll get. This is brand new teaching. Just, you know, I was just, you know, it was. Um, <laughs> It was it was John Nelson Darby that that invented this tree. You know this had this never is brand new. This showed the up church fathers years ago. had never heard of this doctrine. It had never you know, and that couldn't be Wrong. further from the truth because, you know, early church fathers' writings and and understanding that we can get from scripture that this was the very same thing that Paul was actually speaking of. So anyway, they they. That's just their first offense, and they and they always go against it. But before we get off on, on that whole thousand year thing, yes, we're talk. Sometimes when we ta- when a lot, most of the time when we're talking about the kingdom of God, we're talking about this literal millennial kingdom of Christ, the re- the the return of Christ, the second coming of Christ to this earth to bring in and set up His kingdom. To make it fully, completely, fully realized. Where Jesus will literally be, like, president of the earth for a thousand Ruling years. Ruling and, yeah, well, we'll get to that on the thousand year thing because he, yes, it, it's on a throne in Jerusalem. And that's where he's going to be running everything from. And most likely you're going to be working in or around that area. So, get familiar. But let me, let me continue on reading there, um, this article here and then we'll get. Uh, so many other prophets predicted the same thing about this, this, this millennium, this kingdom period. Um, it's, so it's not just some crazy brand new crazy thing that I'm just inventing here. Uh, it's prophesied in Obadiah 121, Habakkuk 214, Micah 42, Zechariah 14, 9. Some theologians refer to the future open manifestation of the kingdom of God as the kingdom of glory and the present hidden manifestation of the kingdom of God as the kingdom of grace. But both manifestations are connected. Jesus has set up his spiritual reign in the church on earth and he will one day set up his physical reign in Jerusalem. The kingdom of God has several aspects. The Lord is sovereign of the 
the Lord is the sovereign of the universe. And so in that sense, his kingdom is universal. 1 Timothy 6.15 At the same time, the kingdom of God involves repentance and the new birth as God rules in the hearts of his children in this world in preparation for the next. The work begun on earth will find its consummation in heaven. See Philippians 1.6 So that was their little article about the kingdom. Defining the kingdom of God. Do you think they did a pretty good job on there, don't you think? Yeah, I think they did a great job. I don't think that would... I can... Well, like I said, we'll definitely leave some resources. Um, and I always recommend Andy Woods. Andy Woods has got oh, some great such a books great teacher uh, on, this. on explaining about it here. But now that I've confused you about this kingdom, let's talk more about this thousand-year kingdom that we're talking about here. If we're going to keep going on that topic because they did a great job on this this is you think well i thought we just like i thought yeah jesus is gonna come back one day and then we're just like gonna be in heaven i didn't i think a lot of us um because it's not just us we talked with many people have the same idea but this like in randy alcorn's heaven book really helps so much because you have to properly understand what's to come but again, that's hard to do when most churches don't teach it or what is being taught is like really funky and weird and twisting a lot of scripture. And so like using Randy Alcorn's book, Heaven and Heaven for Kids, to try to make sure we're properly understanding the things to come. But I think most of us do have this idea that there's like the rapture, the end, some kind of, you know, tribulation. There's Armageddon, a big battle boom, you're like in heaven forever on this new heavens, new earth. Like that's how it is forever. And it's like, mm, kind of, yeah, I mean, those kind, are pieces sort of, of it. But... I mean, it, 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 it won't matter. I mean, at the but time. I feel like we just think it's like we go to heaven and then like you just stay there, you're done. You never come back to this earth, right? That's weird. And God takes over everything and everything's perfect and there's no more tears and no more sadness and I'm not fat anymore and <laughs> everything's just fixed and perfect, you know, like that's what it is, right? Like that's my new body. <laughs> and so I think you start to then look at these things and the breakdown of the kingdom and how many things are still going to happen that you and I, like all of us will literally be a part of. We mm -hmm. love teaching this stuff to our kids because our kids love learning about it and being like, Hey, that's me. I'm part of that group. He's talking about, like, I get to see that I'm going to be a part of that. I get to be with Jesus and serving him and doing this. And that's really cool. You know, um, one of the big problems with this is like yes it it at this point it it doesn't matter what how you how you believe or what you believe right i mean we all believe one thing wrong or another you know it doesn't yeah none of us have perfect you know, understanding we don't have perfect understanding so it at that point it really doesn't matter but the way that the world is going about this and the and i mean not the world the church is actually going about this and the teaching about it is it's pushing a lot of this stuff under the rug, and there's a lot of demonic teaching out there that that's what it's doing is it's getting your focus focused on the world and thinking that you're doing good in the world. And before you know it, you're wrapped up in the cares of the affairs of this world and falling to same old sins that you used to fall to, but you thought that you were doing you know, 
Jesus stuff. Not saying that that happens to everybody. And it's definitely not, you know, representative of that, that, that viewpoint completely. But for the most part, what they're trying to do is get you your eyes off of Christ and onto this world. And that's dangerous. That's dangerous. No matter how you look at it, it's dangerous. We need to be a light in this world. We definitely need to bring people to Christ, go out and share the gospel. But we don't make it some utopia through political power and force and 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 that's what the that's what a majority of the church now is teaching you. We're all wrapped up in the social justice and all right. these other things. I mean, that's our job to stand up for these things, we believe. It and that's dangerous because you know what, I can I, I know there's times that I thought that I was doing things right. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I wasn't following you at all. I wasn't, I wasn't, my heart wasn't after you at all. Might have been doing good things, but was I doing good things with my heart after the Lord? And the other problem that with most of these, these people that push this under the rug too, is they become very accepting in other areas of, of scripture. And this is where... A lot of these beliefs that will come from, this is where you get a lot of your, you know, affirming of homosexuality. A lot of progressive Christianity comes from stuff that's like, well, you know what? We're the world's changing, so we got to we got to change this along with it. And so a lot of that is getting believers to compromise their beliefs and in essentially getting them to sin. The Bible tells us that knowing these things and doing them and giving approval in Romans to these things who do them, that we're just as bad. So I'm not saying, again, I don't want to completely dump on somebody that does not feel the way that I do because that's not the case in every, every situation. But nine times out of 10, as I said, in our past kingdom podcast before you can all you can always trace this back down to their their views on the end times like it's kind of ridiculous but anytime me or anyone else we bring something up some other church some other teacher some pastor some something brandon's first question every time i make fun of him for it but his first question is always this what's is their, true what's their kingdom theology and i'm like oh my gosh you with the kingdom i'm not even talking about that like i'm talking about something completely unrelated and this has been like back when we were looking but for it doesn't matter or whatever but yeah but every time he's like what is their kingdom theology and Every time, this is where I told you guys, Brandon is like the best counselor in the whole wide world because he has this crazy ability to be able to call stuff. Um, It's just frustrating because he's always right and he doesn't give you the answers you want to hear. He gives you the answers you need to hear. But he always does this. And sure enough, he'll look into people's kingdom theology and their teachings on it. And sure enough, 
nine million things come rolling out of every corner. It's like, dang it. And that, you were I, right. I'm I not, mean, this kingdom thing, It's very, man. very few. Like, like, But nobody thinks about, like, this isn't a topic people talk about very often. Like, nobody else is like, I don't know. I can't say anything until I know their kingdom theology. Like, who says that? I've never heard anybody else. I mean, other Nobody now says that. But nobody talks about this. But yeah. yet, every time you do it, I'm like, dang it. You but it's kingdom thing. Well, but I'm j- that's just the first because it's how you view Christ. Well, okay, so are it you really, it is, are yeah. you living your life as if you could be standing in front of judgment? You know, not obviously going to heaven or hell judgment, but judgment on what you did in this life. You know, are you do do you do you think that's going to happen? Well, and that's just it because people go, well, if you're just looking for the rapture all the time, you're just looking to escape, then you're of no earthly good, right? What's the saying? Don't be so heavenly minded minded that you're of no no earthly earthly good. good. I say be completely heavenly minded so you're of the utmost earthly good. Thus the heavenly minded homeschool when we rename that. Because, yeah, I believe at any moment I could hear the shout. I could hear. Right. So that, that gets me more motivated to do more work. Yeah. Than to do less work. And yeah, who cares that I wish my, I, yeah, I pray for the rapture and that's the, the first knock that they'll get against it. People just yeah. wishing this escapism. Yeah. It's like, okay. So that would be with? like bagging on Noah for looking forward to having an ark to right, escape exactly. the flood. Yeah. Like, like stupid, you build a boat, ha ha. It's the same you believe it's gonna thing rain. as in the days of yeah, Noah, guys. Of, We're seeing and, well, it in so many ways. And that's the thing is is we believe that this is prophesied in Peter too. They're gonna, scoffers will come in the last days. Scoffers are coming from within the church. Chur- in the that church, remember that, that, that they means. are believers. This is not from outside the church. Duh. I always remember the world doesn't meant, believe in God. I always thought when I read that verse that the scoffers were like people of the world who make fun yeah, of the rapture and stuff. Yeah, that's what a lot of people but think, now but that's it's not so true. crazy. You look at the state we're in now, and it's like, no, the scoffers that he was talking about, they're believers. They're, believers. they're going, he said that he was coming 2,000 years ago. He said he was coming soon. He hadn't been here yet. Well, even if he doesn't come in the next hundred years, he's still coming soon. I don't know what soon means to me. But that does. I mean, it's just, it. like I said, the only people, like it's very few groups that teach this that aren't very, very dangerous. Like Apology is one of them. They're not. I mean, they te- they've got some dangerous teachings, but they're not heretical or anything by any means. But you go and you look at people like it's just so disrespectful. It That's is what you, really gets like us Bethel about Apology. Or, well, they're very yeah, and they're I mean, we'll go into that more. They're extremely just. Dis- but what I was saying is, is though, even though their kingdom theologies theologies all jacked up they're you know doctrinally sound in every other aspect and i'm saying most people that their kingdom theology is jacked up they're not doctrinally sound usually in any aspect um you know there there's just very few of them because that's usually where your wackiness comes from you know like bethel and stuff like that you said you you make this the kingdom and that's what kingdom now theology, right? We just read about what the kingdom of God is, this literal reign on earth. Well, there's a different view of it that replaces that 
and says that okay this that was that was all spiritual jesus already came and and accomplished that right now he's in heaven ruling and this is a spiritual rule in a spiritual kingdom and that's where they say that we will basically build this world into some utopia and and then christ will come back that's that's literally what they say i mean that's it, it is not being fair completely to their view, but at the end of the day, that's exactly what it is. You you bring all the through the power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit within us, we're going to bring the whole world to Christ, and then He will return. Is basically what it states, and they say that. Every prophecy in the Bible and everything that was fulfilled in 70 AD with the destruction of the temple. And that's where you get the preterism. But that's going to be the third article. So let me just. It just amazes me because it's like we'll be reading through it with our kids and even our teenagers. Like, wait a second. How was this fulfilled already? I don't get how they get it. So, well, well, we'll talk about preterism in a minute. So let's just talk about the purpose of this this kingdom, this millennial kingdom, this kingdom of Christ. Okay, what is the purpose of it? Why is it a thousand years? What? I don't get it. They did a great job. The millennium, <clears throat> excuse me. The millennium is the thousand year reign of Jesus after the tribulation and before all the people of the world are sent to either heaven or hell. Jesus will reign as king over Israel as well as all the nations of the world. It's Isaiah 2, 4 and 42, 1. The world will live in peace. Isaiah 11, 6 uh, through 9. 32, 18. What is 6? I can read that one. The, yep, because I knew that was 11. Isaiah 11, 6 through 9 is the wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. The young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat. See, this is this is clearly talking about a time here that is not now, because I don't see bears and lions and stuff grazing. Yeah, not so much. All right, Satan will be bound. That's Revelation 20, 1 through 3. And at the beginning, everyone will worship God, Isaiah 2, 2 through 3. So please the, tell me the point of our world's history where every single person, every nation worshipped the Lord God. Right. And Satan is bound. And lions and bears are grazing on like grass like they did in Genesis. Yep. Bound meaning that his influence in our world... Is gone. He's in jail. The purpose of the thousand year reign is to fulfill promises God made to the world that he that cannot be fulfilled while Satan is free and humans have political authority. Okay, I'm going to read that one more time. The purpose of the thousand year reign is to fulfill promises God made to the world that cannot be fulfilled while Satan is free and humans have political authority. Some of these promises, called covenants, were given specifically to Israel. Others were given to Jesus. 
the nations of the world, and creation. All of these will be fulfilled during Jesus' thousand-year reign. Okay, so then they break it off here. The Palestinian Covenant, also known as the Land Covenant, which is found in Deuteronomy 31 through 10. God has already fulfilled the personal aspects of the Abrahamic Covenant. Abrahamic did, Abraham did go to the Promised Land. He did have many descendants, and he is the forefather of many nations. Several hundred years after Abraham, Joshua led the Israelites to claim ownership of the Promised Land. But Israel has never possessed the specific boundaries that God promised in Genesis 15, 18 through 20. I highly recommend, if you haven't done it already, but go just Google map of biblical Israel mm-hmm. lines or whatever. Yeah, you it's, can, it's you can far look from at it. What all land that they had in biblical times, what land they have now, and then compared to even at the max, like having the most amount of land conquered, compared Wasn't to what even God close. told them what they were going to have, it's great. Like, well, because it goes on over into Egypt and, and oh, part yeah, of Saudi Arabia. Oh, yeah, but I think seeing that visual where you're like, yeah, oh, wow, huge. really? Yeah. It's big. Um, so the specific boundaries God promised in also in Numbers 34, 1 through 12, not even Solomon ruled over this particular area. First Kings 4, 21 through, or 21 through 24. Although he did reign from the river of Egypt to the Euphrates, he did not hold the area from Mount Hor to Hazarina. Numbers 34, 7 through 9 into present day Lebanon and Syria. In addition, the covenant God made with Abraham was that he and his descendants would have the land for eternity. It's in Genesis 13, 15, 17, 8, and then Ezekiel 16, 60. The current Israeli state may be set up in this direction, but they still do not possess the boundaries God laid out. The second covenant, that this is the second reason why this has to happen, this thousand-year literal reign of Christ on earth. The Davidic Covenant, which is found in 2 Samuel 7. God's covenant with David was that his line would never die out and that David's heir would sit on the throne of Israel forever. That's in 2 Samuel 7.16. Bible scholars agree that Jesus is the fulfillment of this covenant. One of the reasons his genealogy is given for both his stepfather in Matthew 1, 1 through 17 and his mother, Luke 3, 23-38. The Jews understood this when they laid down palm branches and their cloaks and Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Matthew 21, 1-17 They expected him to be a military political leader that would liberate them from the Romans and make Israel a great nation again. <laughs> I didn't write this. <laughs> Sorry. You would think so. I know. See I what I'm saying, though? This. I read these articles sometimes and I'm like, are you on the board of people who writes for them? I think because I am sometimes. sometimes. I think you are. Or your best friend is. I don't know. Yeah. But they didn't understand the nature of Jesus' work at that time. I'm sorry, of Jesus' work. At that time was the new covenant, not the Davidic covenant. The thousand-year reign will be beginning of Jesus' eternal reign over Israel and earth. That's Revelation 24 through 6. And the new covenant. Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. The work of the new covenant, Jesus' death and resurrection to reconcile hearts to God has been accomplished, but we have not yet seen the complete fulfillment. Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-three says, 
But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declared the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Ezekiel 36.28 gives more specifics. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. Isaiah 59.20-21 explains that this covenant is possible because of the Redeemer, and the reconciliation he provides will last forever. This covenant does not mean that every Jew will be saved, but it does mean that Israel as a nation will worship their Messiah. The Old Testament prophets who spoke of this covenant, including Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, and Ezekiel, all wrote that it will be fulfilled in the future. From their time on, Israel has yet to be an independent nation that worshipped its Messiah. They will be in the thousand-year reign of Christ. Those are the covenants God made with Israel that are to be fulfilled in Jesus' thousand-year reign. But the Bible lists other promises that will be fulfilled too. God promised Jesus he will make his enemies a footstool and that Jesus' followers will worship him freely. God promised the nations of the world that they would live in peace with Jesus as their ruler. That's Daniel 7, 11-14. And he promised creation that the curse would be lifted. Romans 8, 18-23. Animals on the earth would be restored to peace and prosperity. Isaiah 11, 6-9. And then 32, 13-15. And people would be freed from disease. Ezekiel 34, 16. These two will be fulfilled during the thousand-year reign. The main purpose of Jesus' thousand-year reign is to fulfill the prophecies given to Israel and the promises made to Jesus, the nations, and the whole earth. God's covenants are voluntary and one-sided. He promised he would bless Israel and restore the world in specific ways, and he will. So, yeah, I mean, that's a... I thought they did a great, great job of it, really but it, it's one thing that it's teaching that we've lost in the church. It sounds surprising to so many people that are, it's just but so yet you foreign. you just lifted off a handful of scripture that literally just, and that's just a scratch of the surface. And it was something that I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know all of this. You didn't, I didn't under, I wasn't given to understand all this. It wasn't until you read the Bible, like you read it all the way through a couple of years ago when you were on your project of reading it all the way through in a, a short amount of time. And you read it all the way through and you're reading it and you're going, whoa, 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 wait. You, you start reading things like yeah. forever and ever. Wait, and it, every time you see forever and ever used or certain things that were to happen and then I'm looking and I'm like, when did this happen? When did this happen? Mm-hmm. And you start researching all these things. It's like it, it, didn't. it hasn't happened. Yeah. But then you see people talking about, well, all these prophecies of the Old Testament, they were fulfilled and said right. we were in the kingdom, blah, blah. And it's like, well, how are we if this hasn't happened? And that's so that why God's a liar. That's, that's not right. right. And that's why this teaching has gone completely out of the churches because nobody knows anything about this. Nobody knows anything about this. And nobody talks about it. No. So and unless you're it, reading and digging into it, why would you just be like, hey, I'm going to break down the kingdom? Because right? when you read the Bible, you're just like, okay, cool. Israel. Yeah. Okay. Israel was God's people and all this happened over there. But, um, you know, when we get this Americanized view, I guess, of this American gospel and we, we invent our own 
idea of it, but fail to realize that this was an actual place. This was an actual like race of people that Jesus was, and these were promises made to this literal group of people. It was just God's chosen nation. I, it was his choice, not anybody else's. I don't, it, it, I don't know why that it's them, but it was them. And he decided to put, that's the roots of creation over there. I mean, that's where we believe that literally the roots of creation is over I there. I mean, even secular science and history will, it teach will you acknowledge the that. Yeah, is the first, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, it it's it's something that's real. So, and I know we we don't really think about it much, but you're like, wow, that you know, there's Israel is still very very important to all of this. And even the fact that we're talking about an Israel right now is amazing. But we don't understand the hugeness of that either. Well, because once a once a people is exited out of their land as a people, it's history proves that over a short period of time they just assimilate into the culture and they lose their identity. Yeah. Look at how many the, the different ites that you have in the Bible, the Amorites, the Jebusites, all these different ites, where are they now? Mm-hmm. You've never heard, you've never seen a Canaanite or a Jebusite or a, you've no. never seen any of these. Nope. You've seen a Hebrew, an Israeli. We know a couple. Like, but even then, it's funny because, y- you know, you look at these things and it's like, well... Those things just don't apply anymore, even the things that haven't happened yet because the Jews rejected Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, then how do you explain God already saying that they're going to reject him, but he's still going to do these things anyways mm-hmm. because when he says forever, he means forever, and this is what he's going to do. Like, he already says. Yeah, yeah and yeah, it, it, it's I so know. funny. You don't ever think that you've rejected Jesus? Uh-huh. Do you understand that? You know how I always talk about how Israel is really, really applicable to the church and looking just as the nation of Israel in the Old Testament and looking at the the this church period that we find ourselves in now. Great similarities. Of being right. Us as Christians, I mean, we're we're pretty much in the same kind of almost the same kind of of battle, but you know, I always talk about the different things that were a reflection. What do you think the reflection of the Jews rejecting their Messiah is? That's the forgiveness of sin that we have. Of course, we we all reject Jesus. And that's a representation of that. We will all reject Christ. That's not one group of people. Come on. what? Like, Yes, I understand that they were their, his chosen people. But... He offers this forgiveness to everybody. We are so all to made say to say that that he is done with them because of this and because of their unbelief. I mean, that's just wrong. That's why I love the Watchmen when he goes. So if you think he could be done with them so easily, yeah. If, what he's, makes you think if you think he he's done, done with, with the with Jew, you? yeah. If you think he's done with the Jew, what makes you think he's not done with me and you? Exactly. I mean, we've. I keep moving this mic. 
Heidi's yelling at me. I know. Well, you just keep getting it like She's right in front of your mouth. Being mean to me, Sabrina. I am not being mean to you. I am helping everybody's ears because <laughs> it gets in front of your face, and then it's like you're shouting at everyone, and it's gonna. I'm bust mind everyone's. punching you right now. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> I just mind slapped your hand down. All right. So now let's talk about the negative view of all of you this. You just straight up called for help over the podcast. She's being mean to me. How old are you? Oh. Are you six? You just closed it, didn't you? I Oh, no. I closed the right one. Okay. I'm good. Um, I wasn't calling for help. Yes, was, you were. No, I was just notifying. <laughs> just notifying. Just putting out a PSA. Heidi's being mean. All right, continue on. All right, let's on the negative side of it. This is this is the view that's actually more prevalent and popular today. That's very very unfortunate, but it's it's just I don't see any biblical basis, and and neither does Got Questions here in this article. So we'll read it. According to preterism, all prophecy in the Bible is really history. The preterist interpretation of scripture regards the book of Revelation as a symbolic picture of first century conflicts, not a description of what will occur in the end times. And that's that's the basic, the easiest sum up of what the term is that I keep referring to. Is It's just the belief that everything has already been, all prophecy was already fulfilled and Revelation is nothing but a symbolic book. It's a view that biblical prophecy, going back to the article, biblical prophecies concerning the end times have already been fulfilled in the past. Preterism is directly opposed to futurism, which sees the end times prophecies as having a still future fulfillment. Preterism is divided into two types, full or consistent preterism and partial preterism. This article will confine the discussion to full preterism, or hyper-preterism, as some call it. Um, the popular teaching here that, that ministries like Apologia uh, throw out there is full preterism. Because... We were just listening to a clip the other day from them with Jeff when he was explaining that all of this was fulfilled in Jesus' generation to the audience that he was speaking of to that generation, including tribulation, all of that. We're not destined to any of that. The next thing to come is just final judgment, which is a terrifying view of, of that. And it's it's got huge holes in it, so that's what we're that's what this article is covering. So that's actually works out well. So here is what's wrong with that: preterism denies the future prophetic quality of the Book of Revelation. The preterist movement essentially teaches that all the end times prophecies of the New Testament were fulfilled in A.D. seventy when the Romans attacked and destroyed Jerusalem. Preterism teaches that every event normally associated with the end times, Christ's second coming, the tribulation, the resurrection of the dead, the final judgment has already happened. In the case of final judgment, it still is in the process of being fulfilled. Jesus' return to earth was a spiritual return, not a physical one. 
Predator. See, that is. Dude, that is. What are you doing with that view? And These I've heard. Are huge, and I've yeah. seen. And this is. I don't. I'm pretty sure this is the. the Jeff fully holds to that. I haven't heard him talk specifically on. If I do, I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure he does believe, like R.C. Sproul did and taught, that there was a partial second coming in A.D. 70 and not to look for a physical return, which, whew. All right. Preterism teaches that the law was fulfilled in A.D. 70 and God's covenant with Israel was ended. The new heavens and the new earth spoken of in Revelation 21.1 is, to the preterist, a description of the world under the new covenant. Just as Christian is made a new cre- just as a Christian is made a new creation, so the world under the new covenant is a new earth. This aspect of preterism can easily lead to a belief in replacement theology. Well, why don't we go off on a rabbit hole here for a second? What's replacement theology? What's that? Replacement theology, also known as supersessionism, essentially teaches that the church has replaced Israel in God's plan. Adherents of replacement theology believe that Jews are no longer God's chosen people and God does not have specific future plans for the nation of Israel. Among the different views of the relationship between the church and Israel are the church has replaced Israel, which is replacement theology, the church is an expansion of Israel, which is covenant theology, or the church is completely different and distinct from Israel, which is dispensational premillennialism, which is the only biblical one. Replacement theology teaches that the church is the replacement for Israel and that the many promises made to Israel in the Bible are fulfilled in the church, or in the Christian church, not in Israel. The prophets in Scripture concerning the blessing and restoration of Israel to the promised land are also spiritualized or allegorized into promises of God's blessing for the church. Major problems exist with this view, such as the continuing existence of the Jewish people throughout the centuries, and then especially with the revival of the modern state of Israel. If Israel had been commanded, condemned by God, then there is no future for the Jewish nation. How do we explain the supernatural survival of the Jewish people over the past 2,000 years, despite the many attempts to destroy them. How do we explain why and how Israel reappeared as a nation in the 20th century after not existing for 1,900 years? The view that Israel and the church are different is clearly taught in the New Testament. Biblically speaking, the church is distinct from Israel, and the terms church and Israel are never to be confused or used interchangeably. We are taught from scripture that the church is an entirely new creation that came into being on the day of Pentecost and will continue until it is taken to heaven at the rapture. Ephesians 1, 9-11, and then 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-17. The church has no relationship to the curses and blessings for Israel. The covenants, promises, and warnings of the Mosaic covenant were valid only for Israel. Israel has been temporarily set aside in God's program during these past 2,000 years of dispersion. Romans 11 talks about this whole period. Contrary to replacement theology, dispensationalism teaches that after the rapture of 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-18, God will restore Israel as a primary focus of his plan. 
The first event at this time is the tribulation. The world will be judged for rejecting Christ while Israel is prepared through the trials of the great tribulation for the second coming of the Messiah. Then when Christ does return to the earth at the end of the tribulation, Israel will be ready to receive him. The remnant of Israel who survived the tribulation will be saved, and the Lord will establish his kingdom on earth with Jerusalem as its capital. With Christ reigning as king, Israel will be led the, be the leading nation, and the represent, representatives from all nations will come to Jerusalem to honor and worship the King Jesus Christ. The church will return with Christ and reign with him for a little literal thousand years, which the one that we just talked about. Um, the, the thousand years that we just talked about here just a little bit ago. Um, so that's went off to a rabbit hole off of replacement theology. So back to the preterism view. Um, you can see how preterism teaches that the law was fulfilled in 70. God's covenant with Israel was ended. The new heavens and the new earth spoken of in Revelation 21.1 is to the preterists a description of the world under the new covenant just as Christian has made a new creation. So the world under the new covenant is a new earth. This aspect of preterism can easily lead to a belief in replacement theology. So replacement theology, as we just read, is the spiritualization of all the promises from God to Israel. So this, and that's exactly all of them are believing in this replacement theology. Any of these guys, or any of these people that talk about this kingdom now theology, it's synonymous with replacement theology which essentially is anti-Semitism at its core because it's pushing the Jew completely out and telling them that they don't matter over anybody else. That's, that's dangerous. It's just insane. Yeah, that's, that's extremely dangerous. And, and especially they're like, how, you know, I like how we just read in that article that says, well, then how do you explain the Jewish nation being preserved for the past 2,000 years out of the many, many dis attempts to destroy them? If you look at the, the amount of people, the 6 million Jews in the population of the Jews at that time, that was a huge chunk out of the Jews. Like, do you, do you really realize how many that truly was? That was huge. So, I mean, this isn't something that, you know, is uh, it's something that you just you know, make up and just is escapist, you know, beliefs. This is this is something that you we take seriously. Um preterists usually point to the passage in Jesus Olivet discourse to bolster their argument. After and this is exactly what we listened to uh Jeff Durbin do yes. yesterday. Yep. With talking about Matthew twenty four. And I'll probably put this podcast up first and then okay. the Durbin one yeah. just since we're discussing these things. Because so it'll be coming out. Yeah, because that's exactly what he talks about. And the problem is, is giving a black eye to pre premillennialism. Most people interpret Matthew twenty four to be talking about the rapture, which it is not. I might have to do a ruined treasured Bible verses ones on that for the rapture people, because Matthew twenty four is not a rapture verse. It's it's not it's talking about jesus second coming but we're not talking about the rapture here nor would jesus have been talking about the rapture at that time the jews were wanting to know about the kingdom and this in in, in he was explaining these things so not 
This had nothing to do with, you know, when are we going to all be caught up? That's not what he was talking about. And that's it's unfortunate that there's so many people that teach like that because that's just an easy refute to these people that don't don't believe in it. But what the they usually point to this either way to cement in their argument. After Jesus describes some of the end times happenings, he says, Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. That's verse, tw that's verse 34. The preterist takes this to mean that everything Jesus speaks of in Matthew 24 had to have had occurred within one generation of his speaking, the his speaking, the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, was therefore Judgment Day. So Judgment Day was the destruction of the temple in the preterist view. That's, dude, that's, yeah, that's, that's scary saying those types of things. The problem with preterism are many. For one thing, God's covenant with Israel is everlasting, which is Jeremiah 31, verses 33 through 36. And there will be a future restoration of Israel, Isaiah eleven twelve. The Apostle Paul warned against those who, like Hymenaeus and Philetus, teach falsely, that the resurrection has already taken place. And they destroy the faith of some, which is 2 Timothy 2, 17 and 18. And Jesus' mention of this generation should be taken to meant the generation that is alive to see the beginning of the events described in Matthew 24. Just because of the, just the way that Jesus is talking then. He's not... He, he's talking in a more broad sense when he's at that. So just... To say that this generation is right now, but he wasn't even talking about events that were happening right now. I mean, he was. So I, I don't understand where that viewpoint comes from, but I mean, I do. I, I understand their arguments. I just don't. How I are you making just, sense? I don't of understand these the logic, and I, it's it's not the, the the argument. It's just I don't understand the logic. Eschatology is a complex subject, and the Bible's use of apocalyptic imagery to relate many prophecies has led to a variety of interpretations of end times events. There is room for some disagreement within Christianity regarding these things. However, full preterism has some serious flaws in that it denies the physical reality of Christ's second coming and downplays the dreadful nature of the tribulation by restricting that event to the fall of Jerusalem. That is what. So what is stopping you as a Christian from doing whatever the heck you want? There's no judgment. What stops you from that? I don't got to worry about it. Like, I mean, I guess it's the same answer. Like, you know, you still have to live your life correctly, but. What, there's no, what, like, there's no future judgment in the world? That's just, that's insane. That seems awful congratulatory. <laughs> I mean, that's. And that's a huge problem. And that just, um, that just seems like it could be leading a lot of people in a lot of dangerous directions. Um. So, if I haven't already confused you, this was my attempt to simplify some of these topics. 
regarding the kingdom and just giving you information. I wanted to end on this preterist part because this is what's the the most popular view, I think, is this this viewpoint. And I mean, some some churches will still preach the judgment and, and, and aren't full preterist. You know, they'll say, okay, you know, know that we still hold to a Jesus the second coming, but, you know, all this stuff about Israel and all this stuff, no, that's not true. So that's what they call it. Some of that's partial preterism. So it, it, it varies in between your church, but as far as, you know, like I said, this dispensationalism view that we hold, what's going on with Israel right now really, really, really matters. And the, the world stage that's setting up around this really, really matters because this is setting up for the stage of the tribulation and for the Antichrist. We are not going to see the tribulation. We are not going to see the Antichrist. We're not going to see the peace plan sign. We're not going to see any of this stuff. But the world stage will be set for all of it. And it's already being set. Matter of fact, these nations that are that are these countries that are, you know, the stuff with going on with Iran and Israel. And I mean, do you under that all of these nations, these are this is prophetic. All of these nations that are are spoken of in prophecies that were given long before Jesus even was on the scene. Okay, like not really, but as far as in his human, you know, in his human body. Yes, we do understand yes. that Jesus is on yes, the Yes, yes, no. but in his human body, this is like, human here. you know, I mean, we're talking about things about Ezekiel and Isaiah and these things that are way, way out there. And now we're seeing these nations, obviously not called by the nations that they were in the biblical times because they wouldn't have known them as anything else but these nations now that are now are what we have modern day Iran Syria, Turkey Russia all of these nations are prophetic and in perfect placement for this viewpoint or for this teaching and to not pay attention to it is is could be very very dangerous. So, yeah, I think yeah. Anything else you want to say? Nope. I think that you're looking it? at me, and it's getting late. We need to get we need to go do dinner. Um. So this will go up, and then you guys will see coming up here soon. Um. He'll do the one with Jeff Durbin and talking about that. But I think kind of having the understanding of all these various things, if. We gave you understanding. Yeah. We'll <laughs> um, have to, like, if you have any questions, I'll have to though, force you to listen to this before you let us out. know. But otherwise, I think uh, this, this was good. Do you feel yeah. better? I do. A little bit. A little bit. A little steam off the top. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, guys.